Now, what we're going to do now is something kind of odd. We don't normally do this. Um, Mike Deaton is going to come up here and he's going to interview Bishop Andudu because we, are, we have a relationship not only with hostility and division in our town, but there is one of the great tragedies in the world today is what's happening in Sudan. And it's about ethnic hostilities and national hostilities. It's about exactly what this passage is talking about. And we as a church have been waiting to hear from Andudu about his trip to Sudan and his sneaking across the border and all of that work. And we haven't had a chance until this Sunday when it just so happens that our passage leads us to know that when Jesus said the greatest commandment, he couldn't stop there. He had to push on into the horizontal commandment too. They hang together. If we are going to pursue reconciliation with God, we must pursue reconciliation with each other. And we must labor for it. So Mike is going to come and interview Andudu about this, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray for Bishop Andudu. We're going to pray for Sudan and for what's going on there. Let's begin by reciting what we believe in the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Now you can take your seats for a few moments, and, and Dude is going to join, join us up here. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. And we've heard about this message of reconciliation, but I think something that often misses us is that we are the peacemakers. Jesus is our model. He came and has made peace. Now that's our task in the world. But Jesus says later in Matthew 5, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. When we become peacemakers, persecution comes. Um, Andudu is a bishop in exile for the Anglican Church from uh, North Sudan. Uh, and I want to give a little bit about the geography just so you understand that I'm going to let Andudu talk about some of what's been going on there. You all know about Sudan. It used to be one country. There was lots of ethnic cleansing and things going on. It was divided into two countries, North and South Sudan. Uh, North Sudan is controlled by an Islamic, uh, a violent Islamic government uh, that is bent on destroying people. I'll let him explain a little bit of what's behind that. He is from that region. 
from the southern part of North Sudan, bishop in the Anglican Church, uh, working with Muslims and Christians both, because there are many in that area, working in this, this work of reconciliation. And so uh, I want you to understand, we want you to understand a little bit about that. There's so much about his story. Uh, I hope you will take time to just talk to him and, and learn more about this. But we wanted to give you a little bit of a, a picture of this and a recent trip that he made there. And then uh, we're going to take a few minutes to pray together for, for him and for the people of Sudan. So, and dude, if you could, I'll let you come up here so that we can get you in the mic real well. Okay. Uh, what, what has the government of North Sudan done to the people in your region? Yeah, thank you, Mike, for this time. The government of Sudan is Islamic government. It's imposing Sharia law on all people, Christian or non-Christians. So across the years, um, the government is killing people on basis of uh, religion. For example, if you are a Christian, then you are a second-class citizen, and you are not given freedom of worship, and Sharia law is imposed on you. And many leaders, they were in prison, and many churches was demolished. And now we have like 27 uh, churches in the list is going to be destroyed. They started uh, three months ago. Uh, two of them already they destroyed with the bulldozers. And the government of Sudan, uh, and successive government, they have been killing people, bombing people of Nuba Mountains. The people of Nuba, they are black. You know, the government also mm -hmm. is racist. There is multiple uh, reasons why the, the government is doing that. On religion, racism, and color, and also they are in power for a long time. So they killed people, bombed people, and that's continuing up to now. And the, the president of uh, Sudan is indicted by international criminal law, but is still in power. So this is what is going on. People are hungry. Uh, in our region, uh, the government is banning the international humanitarian to give aid to the people. So one, th one thing, and due to that you mentioned to me, is that uh, a lot of times we think that the persecution that is going on there is about Muslims persecuting non-Muslims, but it's, it's really not just that. It's, yeah. Yeah, could you say a little bit about that? Um, Islamic government, most of the members of this government, um, they are Arabs light skin. We people from Nuba Mountains, Darfur, and Blue Nile, we are black. So the government are using that, provided that if you are not Arab, then you are done. So they have been killing people on this basis for a long time. And uh, uh, that's why we are trying to make reconciliation, make reconciliation between the, the tribes. I, I will say that maybe when Mike asked that yeah, question. Okay, yeah, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about what role you've been playing to try uh, and work in this crisis over the past several years. So in this, uh, what we heard from preaching this morning, it was just talking about Sudan. <laughs> Corrupted powers. The government of Sudan came to power in 1956. So they did not use the power properly, but to dominate other people, discriminate other people for a long time. For the black people, if you just want to say something, then say you are against the government and you will be killed. So the reconciliation is not something easy, it's difficult. But also when you enjoy the fruits of reconciliation is something good. 
when I came to the office as a bishop in Diocese of Kaduguli, there was this hatred between Muslims and Christians. Muslims, they would take the Bible, the paper, they use for tobacco to smoke. And the Christians, also they will take the Bible, they, uh, the Quran, they burn it, and they urinate on it. And this is what's tearing the town. So when I come, I don't know where to begin. I prayed and fasted for many days. And then I started trying to bring them together. So after a while, we came together. We had a conference between Muslims and Christians. Not only even the government was in the middle of all issues. We signed the treaty that will treat one another in love. So Muslims, they will come to uh, Muslim leaders, they will come to the church in Christmas, and we give them Bible. And in the uh, Eid of Al-Fitr or Ramadan, we send two people to them. Also, they go and attend and see what they're doing. Through that reconciliation, we are able to build the relationship. The cathedral, which was not built for 30 years, it was destroyed and burned five times. Through this treaty, we were able to build the cathedral. Now the cathedral is built, and uh, reconciliation is something difficult, but it's good. Not only between the government, even the tribes. Many tribes, they had problems. We have to come in as the church, trying to bring them together, and they are, they are together. Uh, and Dudu is, uh, I guess it's fair to say, you're on a hit list for the government of Sudan. He's on a list of people that they want to apprehend and kill. And he's been in exile uh, from Sudan since 2011, I believe. Could you say something about why? Why are you, why? Why are you on that list? Um, because of the reconciliation that we are doing, some of the Islamic uh, fundamentalists, they said you cannot take Islamic leaders into the church. So you're corrupting our leaders. So they are not happy for this reconciliation. And others, they said, you cannot reconcile tribes. Because some of the, the leaders, they were giving guns to, you go and kill this, this one is not good. They're dividing them. But when we're uniting them, then they, they don't like me. I came here in May 11th to US. I was going to stay here for one month for a medical checkup. I was in Louisiana. Then after three weeks, the war started in Sudan. So they went to my home. They sent militia to my home to see the bishop who was reconciling people. They shoot my house, but I was not there. They don't know that I'm in US. Then they went to office, they burned all the decision offices. Five offices, all were they burned. They went to the guest house for the church, also it was destroyed and burned. They went to the cathedral, the cathedral has only two years. Also, they looted everything from in. Then they asked where the bishop and other two priests. We're in the, in the list, they wanted us. Then the chancellor of the diocese, he called me and said, Bishop, don't come here. You are in the blacklist, even your name and Martin, Reverend Martin, your names are written in red. 
don't come here. So after, then my visa expired here. So I applied for asylum. I was given asylum, and then I went to Uganda. From Uganda, I went to South Sudan. Then I was able to go to the opposition part of the country. So I cannot go to the town of Kaduguli, but in opposition controlled area. This is where I'm serving. And the church there is two-thirds of the church. Uh, the diocese is in the uh, opposition area. This is why I'm serving up to now. So, uh, and he was told, don't come back, but he's been back how many times now? Oh, I think 12 times. 12 times. <laughs> uh, he goes into South Sudan, sneaks across the border into the Nuba Mountains to, to care for the people in his diocese. And uh, Christians and Muslims together look to him for leadership and for uh, comfort and guidance. And so he plays that role. Incarnation has been blessed to have assisted him financially to make his most recent trip. He left in, when was it you left? In October? In October. October yes. of last year, returned in March. We heard virtually nothing from him. He was out of communication. His family heard very little from him. So I wondered if you could just briefly say a little bit about what you did while you were there on this most recent trip. Yeah, um, the area I went to, Nuba Mountains, you don't have phones, mobiles, network, there is nothing. And it is like um, 82,000 kilometers, very wide place. You have to work on food. And if you want somebody, you send somebody to go and call him. The government don't want anything to go in this area. That's why I have to go and see people. We help them. They burned their crops. So the money I took from here and other places, it was a very great blessing to the people. We were able to give money for, for the food for the people, Muslims and Christians. When I go, even Muslims, they come. And it's not good to give Christians, you eat, and others, they will be starving. You have to love neighbors as yourself. And also the schools. There were burned five villages. One of the villages, my village. And uh, I had to go and help in the shelter, just under the tree, to give some money to put uh, a shelter for the church. And the school, children just studying under the trees. There is nothing. The office of the teachers is just two cartons and, uh, uh, with some books and chalk. When they go home, they carry all these things. So also, we assisted them. So the money you gave here, it was really blessing, really blessing to the people. So we help the, the churches, we help people with food, and we help the community also with the food. This is how we use the money. I was given a written report earlier, uh, and, and people send me, they say, go and say, tell the people of Incarnation, thank you for the assistance that you have given. And they request to pray for them always. Next week, Andudo, I believe, is going to be preaching, so you'll get to hear more from him. And we hope to send out an edited version of this newsletter that he's mentioned uh, sometime this week so you can get a little bit more information about what is happening and what he did on this most recent trip. We're going to take some time now to pray. I'd like to ask you to stand as we do that. Hmm? Yes, I'm going to say something. Uh, so 
so we've spoken a lot about uh, the what's going on in uh, Sudan and with Andudu's work there. Uh, there's another thing, really big thing going on in Andudu's life and the life of his family. Very shortly after he arrived back here in the United States, his wife Jalila had a, a brain aneurysm. And she has spent the last several months in the hospital, a long time in a, uh, a drug-induced coma to let her try and recover. She has slowly begun to recover back. She came home Friday, I think, yeah. from the hospital. Uh, she requires 24-7 care right now. Very difficult time for, for this family, the five children, and Dudu. And Dudu, with all the other things he has in his responsibility, he's also uh, now caring, caring for uh, Jalila. So I wonder if you could give us a brief update about Jalila, and then I'm going to suggest some things we can pray for. Yeah, generally she's back uh, home now, but she will stay for five uh, weeks, then they will go to another rehabilitation center. So um, she can talk now and hear and speak, and she can even write, but her memory is not yet good. She sometimes forgets. She forgets a lot, and uh, her um, right leg also, she's stiff a little bit. Uh, uh, but we can help her to, to climb up the stairs. We're we looking for another house with a floor uh, that she can be easily to move. She, she's working with a walker, but she needs somebody to help her. So uh, this is what she's going on now. She's at home. We're trying to help her now. So as we pray, uh, we're going to have the prayers of the people. We want to focus on the things that we've just talked about this morning. We would like to encourage you to pray for the Northeast neighborhood and the reconciliation and the, mm -hmm. the issues that are going on there and for God to work in that. Uh, we ask you to pray for the people of Sudan. We ask you to pray for the government of North Sudan, that God would bring healing there and that the Christians there would be uh, courageous and faithful to their calling to be peacemakers in that area. Uh, and, we, and we ask you to pray for Andudu and for his family, for Jalila, uh, for housing for them, that they can find a better housing situation so that they don't have a, a multi-story, very small townhouse for her to have to try and navigate uh, in her physical condition. Uh, and uh, let's take some time now to pray, and then I will lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.